and welcome to My Existential Crisis, the podcast where we talk about all the things that make us question our entire sense of self. My name is Madison Epley. And my name is Dylan Berger. Yes, and we have Dylan back with us again. Good to be here. Good to be, yeah, it's good to have you. Thank good you. Good to have you. We are filming uh, two episodes back to back, which is, you know. Different. Different. Exciting. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah. It's riveting. Uh, yeah, so what's new with you? Well, um, I'm afraid that my apartment is haunted. What do you mean? I, last night and a night before that, I was lying in bed and um, I hear like this, like this strange, like sort of scratching, not scratching necessarily, but this, um, this sort of uh, like, I can't describe it. It's like somebody was moving around in the bathtub. Someone frogging? Someone might have been, is currently frogging in my apartment as <laughs> I speak. Um, and for those who don't know, frogging is living in the walls of somebody else's home, apparently. Just, just just anywhere just living in someone else's home without them knowing yeah um and it's terrifying and i was like well this is scary so i um in the bathtub specifically in the bathroom which is like right behind my room okay so i stood at the door uh-huh. of my the closed door of my room and i just like i put my head up to the wall not like where the door meets the wall because yeah. somebody could stick a knife jeez maybe didn't have, <laughs> but I was safe about it. Good. And I listened. Good. And there was like, there was like some kind of tapping noise. And I am like, well, it's either now or never. Because I got to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> so I got my... I love how that was your priority. Yeah. It's now or never because I have to go to work tomorrow. Yeah. Not I have to see my partner one last time. Or no. I have to save my cat. Nope. Um, <laughs> so I uh, got my phone. Okay. And I turn on the light. Okay. And I creep out, and everything is dark because I. The it's only night. way to act. Well, it's night. <laughs> and <laughs> exactly. And the only way to access the light switch is like going around the corner. <gasps> and you don't want to do that. No. So I was. I, I took my phone with the. Uh, the light. The light. And I like. I went into the dark bathroom. And the one switch in the bathroom that's supposed to turn on the light isn't working at the moment. There's, yeah, that's what I said. Uh, there's another switch around the other side of the mirror, but that's like far into the bathroom. So I was like, huh, and I looked and nothing, there was nothing in the bathtub. What would you have done if something was there? I fucking, I don't know. <laughs> I figured I would like figure it out when it happened. When if you it happened. Just act on impulse. Yeah. Um, I didn't really have a plan necessarily. Was it like water dripping? No, not water. It sounded like somebody was moving around in the bath. Like you're in a bathtub and you're just like, mm-hmm. yeah, like no water, just like, <laughs> I don't know how to make that Essentially. noise. You know, I love to rub my back against the uh, this the porcelain porcelain wall, <laughs> the cold porcelain, <laughs> like a bear. Um, <laughs> and I look to the end of the bathroom and no one's in there. I go back out into the hallway, just a straight shot down into another room. Uh huh. Nothing in there. And it's like nine o'clock, nine thirty at night, and I'm like, someone's frogging, literally in my someone home. Might be frogging. The disrespect. The disrespect. And I, for a while, I was like, someone could be living in my basement. <laughs> they could be sneaking around and hiding behind the the boiler whenever yeah. I go down, and they just like come out and like eat my snacks at night. Is that why they're all? Is that all why my snacks are missing? Work, you're like, hey Madison, do you have any snacks? <laughs> I do ask for up. snacks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I love Swedish fish, and you always bring Swedish fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I uh, have no idea what to do about it. 
I don't know if it's going to happen again tonight. Did you sage your apartment when you first moved in? Was I meant to? Was that? It wasn't part of the lease. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so some people, if you were into this, you don't have to be. I don't know if I'm into this. I know a lot of people who sage their yes, apartment. Yes, if you say it's supposed to help cleanse the energy. Yeah. Um, I have never done that in my life. If I heard something dripping, or not dripping, if I heard someone going <laughs> in my bathtub and there's no one there, I might sage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I went back into my room. Okay. And uh, I realized that Janie was under my bed. Okay. And she was scratching at things. And I was like able to convince myself that it was probably her. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. I'm not even 90% sure. <laughs> But if something happens and I don't show up to work tomorrow, okay. I'm either work from home okay. or a ghost got me. Okay. At which point, all I bets are off. What am I going to do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, what, what do you expect me to do, Dylan? Uh, I, don't, I don't really know. Uh, call the police, I guess. Call the, po the police for a ghost? <laughs> be like, I was about to. <laughs> well, you could say it was a home intruder. Yeah. If you said ghost, I'm, they might laugh at you. I don't know if laughing is the appropriate thing to do when anyone calls on one for any reason, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the right protocol is when you have a ghost in your home other than um, saging it, which I might do. Try that. I, f I fucking hate the smell of sage, though, especially burning sage. Yeah, I wouldn't. It's not the best thing in the world. No. Um, it's not the same, but if you like incense. Oh yeah, I do like incense. It might. It's not supposed to do anything similar to that, but it smells good. <laughs> it can calm me down when exactly. I'm like in fight or flight. Exactly. See. When it I'm ready to fight a ghost. Maybe it will calm the frogger down, and okay. maybe he will come to terms and be zen and yeah. not do that anymore. I have a very granola frogger in my home. A granola frogger. Yeah, who wears cargo shorts and loves yeah. camping. Yeah. Um, and also loves incense. So yeah. I'll give that a try and yeah. hope that um. Man, it doesn't happen again because I was, I was fucking scary. <laughs> I I don't know if you've ever be. been in a situation like Listen, that. Listen, I I am still afraid of the dark, Dylan, like very much. Um, Do you have a nightlight? I don't, but I bring my, my I have my phone flashlight. Like I am still the person who like, I will not walk through my apartment in the dark. Yeah. Like, listen, I watch too much scary shit to like try to risk that at all. Yeah. A light has to be on, and I always check. I'm like a police officer. I check my corners. I check, <laughs> make sure everyone everyone's good. I look for the nearest weapon just in case. Yeah. But like I, I like last night I took a shower, all the lights were off, and I had to make sure like the lights were on. I I turned the lights on as I was walking through the house. <laughs> I wouldn't. It's right there. My bat my bathroom is Yeah, it's a feet straight away. shot. <laughs> it's a straight shot. Not even twenty feet, it's like three. It's like three. It's like three feet. <laughs> but it feels like I wouldn't do that. When it's dark it does. Yeah. And you don't see anything. The scariest thing though is when you are in a dark room. And you have to climb a set of stairs after turning off the light. Dylan, I won't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I won't do that. I will make sure I have like a light. See, this is, I don't think I would do well living not in modern times. because. Oh, yeah, definitely not. I period. wouldn't either. Full stop. But um, especially because of like flashlights. Like I need a flashlight. <laughs> I, I can't see very well. To be, I wear glasses. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't see anything. Before all you had was your nightcap and your bed shirt yes. and your candle. Your candle. Your tiny candle. Yeah. And you would have to move through right after you ate a bad potato even and hope that you... Uh, um, bad, wait, why? <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge. He ate a bad potato? Yeah, that's why he hallucinated the ghosts. What? Uh, well, that's what he thought happened. 
That's yeah. It's part of the. I didn't know that. The um, what is that? Three Ghosts of Christmas or yeah. some some shit like that. The four technically. Four Ghosts of Christmas. Oh, it's three. It's okay. This is a huge debate. Whenever I was in seventh grade. I'm right. I'm 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 right. Um, I don't know enough to say otherwise. No de- I didn't even say what the debate was. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I'm saying I am right. Um, I think about this frequently, by the way. Okay. More than I probably should. More than anybody who has ever been in that class probably ever has. <laughs> um, but in a Christmas Carol. Yeah. There Christmas are, Carol. There are three ghosts. There is the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. Yes. And the question was, which one of them is more important? Usually people will say the third one because that's the one who made like, you know, that was a scary one. But there's actually four ghosts in A Christmas Carol. And this one was accounted for. And this one was his partner, Jacob Marley. And it was the first person to come to him, which is what set off the chain of events. Because without Jacob Marley's ghost, nothing else would have happened. Yeah. So he was the one who like brought the ghost with him. That's the thing. Yes. He's the one who brought it all with him. So who is the most influential ghost in A Christmas Carol? The question on everyone's mind. It is Jacob Marley. (laughs) Hands down. I love that. I haven't seen that movie in a while. I love to rewatch the Muppets one. It's almost Christmas. The Muppets one is fantastic. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) I I saw this thing that was like the Muppet movie, uh, Muppet Christmas Carol is so good because Michael Caine uh, treats the Muppets like actors. Yes, I was just going to say that he was very serious about it. He treated them as professional Shakespearean actors, and then they were Muppets. Yeah. There will never be another performance like it. Um, But uh, I now I'm I'm, I'm scared to go to bed tonight because what if... I don't know how to help you with that, though. What if I'm visited not by four but five ghosts? Well, here's what you do. Okay. You listen to the first one. And whatever he tells you is the most influential (laughs) of all of them. (laughs) Because he's the first one who started it all off. Yeah, that makes sense. Kicked it all off. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I know. I'm right. That's it. Full stop. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Yeah. So my first story. Okay, Dylan, just to start off. I accidentally lied to you. Oh, great. Um, happens all the time. <laughs> happens all the time. What can I say? I got to use that. Hey, sorry, but I accidentally lied to you. <laughs> okay, I say that a lot because I do. I accidentally lie all the time. <laughs> not like, no, like for real. Like I'm I'm like very sure about something. And I'm like, I, that was not true. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I'm like, hey, I didn't know what I was talking about. It's like, hey, I lied mm. accidentally. I didn't mean to lie. Or you could intentionally lie and just say it's an accidental lie. Yes, and then it is an intentional accidental lie. And then you're lying about the lie. Yes. So exactly. it's two lies. It's like lieception. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. All right. Okay. I wanna I wanna hear more about uh why I lied about. Is <laughs> <laughs> this not the orphan? No, it is the orphan. Okay, it is. So I am covering um but okay. I'm covering the true story of the orphan, the movie. However, this happened after the orphan movie. Okay. So you could say it's orphan too. The orphan movie inspired these events. Oh. Because they kind of did. Okay. So I, I lied to you in that way. So this did not. This is not what inspired the orphan movie. The orphan movie may have inspired some of these events. Interesting. Okay. okay. For those of you who not have not seen the orphan, one of my favorite horror movies of all time. I have wanted to be the orphan for Halloween <laughs> since I had seen it whenever I was like 
eight when it came out. Maybe ten. I think it was ten. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just love it so much. I don't know why. I always wanted to be that little orphan. I don't. Okay. You sure you're not appropriating <laughs> orphan culture? <laughs> I misspoke. I, you. I don't want to be a little orphan. I just thought she. Okay. Esther looks so. Her style is very much my style. It's like Wednesday Adam. It's like Zoe Deschanel and Wednesday Adams <laughs> mixed together. And although she was just a child. I, she just looks so cool. It's the bangs with the pigtail. Yes, exactly. It's both of them. Yeah. And I've tried that look. It doesn't work for me. Didn't work for you? No. No. Okay. Well, yeah, I love that movie. I didn't tell you what it was about. Again, I keep tangenting. Um, it is about this little girl, an orphan, mm-hmm. who gets adopted by this family, but the family suddenly realizes that the orphan is not quite a good fit for their family. It's a, it's a bit more sinister. She starts doing some pretty pretty crazy things, like murder. You're not going to believe the things <laughs> yeah, she crazy does. Crazy things. That got real crazy. <laughs> um, and it turns out she's not actually an 8-year-old. She's like a 33-year-old woman. <laughs> and just pretending to be a child. <laughs> I had like a general idea of the plot, but it still blows my mind that that's even possible. Okay, so here's the thing. Originally, because I said to you, not you, audience, to Dylan, you, <laughs> because I had said to you that I was mm-hmm. going to do the original, the story that inspired it, and I'm not doing that, I think I'm going to do that next time. Okay. Because I lied to you, but also because that one is even more fucked up. It's okay that you lied because it was an accident. It was an accidental lie. Yeah. I didn't mean to. It just happened. Sorry. <laughs> Officer, it just happened. It just happened. I didn't mean to. Okay, so... The story starts in 2010. Mm -hmm. Um, An Indiana couple, Michael and Christine Barnett, wanted to expand their family. They already had three sons, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. They were very well off. They had a very lovely new home. Um, And they wanted to welcome another child into that and share their lives with. You know, they had so much fortune. Why couldn't they pass it on to somebody else, Mm -hmm. you know? So they contacted a Florida adoption agency who told them they had the perfect match for them. It was this six-year-old little girl from Ukraine who had a form of dwarfism called... Here we go. Gotta pronounce it right. (laughs) Spondylopiphyseal dysplasia congenita. All right. Now we're cooking. Okay, so S-E-D. Anyway, at least they thought that she was sick. Yeah. So her birth date was really unknown, which is the case with a lot of international adoptions. Sometimes it just gets lost in translation. Mm -hmm. The records aren't as good elsewhere, just depending on where they're from. Um, And additionally, a lot of adoption agencies, it's unfortunate, but it's true, they will age down the children to make them appear younger because they'll more likely be adopted that way. Yeah. Everyone wants like a little kid, not a full grown adult, you know? Right. So there's that. Orphanages will do that. Adoption agencies rather. That's, I guess, the modern term, not orphanages. Um, so additionally, one of the Barnett sons was autistic. So they had already had prior experience with children who had special needs. Mm-hmm. And they were more than happy to welcome a disabled girl into their family. Plus, with three boys, having a little girl would be a really, really nice change of pace. So, they went forward and adopted Natalia Grace. And pretty much right away, the Barnetts realized that maybe Natalia wasn't actually six, and that maybe it wasn't the best fit for their family. 
So right from the get-go, oh, no. Natalia and Christine did not really get along very well. Yeah. I'll get to this later, but it was described by the family as World War III. <laughs> and the first thing that happened was after a day trip to Disneyland, um, Christine was giving Natalia a bath, being mm-hmm. six years old, and she let out a scream because she realized that her six-year-old had a full set of pubic hair. Not what you're expecting when you're bathing your six-year-old. Also, I'm sure they wouldn't want to hear their mother scream. Uh, yes, yes. About of, of anything. Yeah. Your mother's screaming at <laughs> what you look. Yeah, no, not, not a good look. So in the months after that, the couple alleged that there was a lot of escalation in terms of the age revelations and mm-hmm. Nata- Natalia's behavior. And soon it came to light that Natalia was hiding the fact that she had her period. For months, she didn't say anything, and it was only revealed through blood in her underwear. Additionally, Natalia didn't speak with an accent, although she was from Ukraine, which the Barnetts found a little strange. One time, the Barnetts wanted to get Natalia socialized with some kids who had the same condition that she did because it was so rare. It's so rare that they don't even have, like, a standard for it. She's, like, one in a million. One in, like, three million, really. Hmm. So maybe she'd be able to find a friend and they could bond over their, over their you know, common interests and their common conditions, their common lifestyle. But when the pair met, the Barnetts were shocked to see how much different the actual six-year-old playmate looked from their daughter, Natalia. Natalia was much larger than the other girl. Her bone structure was different and Natalia's vocabulary was far more advanced. The Barnetts claimed that Natalia began to threaten them. Uh, they would wake up in the middle of the night with her standing at the foot of their bed with a knife. Mm-hmm. And she was accused of trying to poison Christine's coffee and kill her by dragging her into an electric fence. Oh. Uh, she was accused of placing thumbtacks face up on the stairs so that they would step on them. Like that's a home alone f- situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah, right? Not a little less cute of trying to get the sons run over with a car. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and defecating on a bed. Mm-hmm. There was an instance caught on camera with Natalia reading the Bible while sitting at the kitchen table. And when she was asked why she chose to read it, Natalia responded, quote, to get rid of these evil thoughts. That's like the last thing you want to hear from a kid you adopted. Yeah, not great. Um, so trying to get her some help, the Barnetts took her to a doctor to see what he had to diagnose her with. Mm-hmm. And they were expecting something like schizophrenia or like that she was hearing voices or something. But what they got was something even more shocking. He said, quote, Natalia is a sociopath. The person is a con artist. You are all in danger. Natalia was questioned by an officer who was investigating her case, and Natalia revealed that she was given a birth date at the orphanage in Ukraine. So she didn't know it before it was given to her. And they also got a hold of some paperwork from Ukraine that said that she had not grown at all in four years, something that would have happened despite her disability. Yeah. In 2012, the family launched a petition to get Natalia's birth date legally changed. And shockingly, without any form of proof beyond the testifying of the Barnetts, the judge, Judge Gerald S. Zor, I'm saying his name because he's an asshat, uh, <laughs> granted it. And he changed Natalia's date of birth from 2003 to 1989, which would make her 22 years old. Which meant that the Barnetts were no longer legally or financially responsible for her. And that she can drink. Yeah, she can do that, you know. All right. Yeah, hell yeah. (laughs) But despite this, the Barnetts moved her into an apartment in Indiana where she was helped by neighbors. 
Her parents would drop off groceries at her door, and the neighbors would watch as she struggled to bring them in. Um, she would run out of food and go to her neighbor's house to ask for some. And one neighbor reported she was exhibiting odd behavior. And Natalia even called 911 on herself at one point, admitting to stalking one of the residents. Oh. Yeah. She called 911 to tell them that she was stalking one of the residents? Yeah. What? What motive would you have for doing this? I will get there in just one sentence. Okay. The very next year, Michael and Christine moved their family to Canada, minus Natalia, leaving her to stay in a new Indiana apartment alone. So now we're going to pause. Uh-huh. Right now, I just want to hear your thoughts before I go any deeper. Because this is what, this is, this, all of this is the story that was projected through the media. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious is what you think. Well, my first thought is um, I saw you put your laptop down and I noticed that your notes are in big paragraphs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My notes are in bullet points. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, so, Dylan, I go hard. Like, yeah. Well, I do more work than I probably should. That's a full book. Uh, but what I think about it is um, I feel bad for her. Yeah. Um, anything you say is fine. I mean, not anything you say. There's going to be, <laughs> if you say some bad things, I'll probably. If I incriminate myself, yeah, like fine. saying that I, ha- I have a weapon yeah. on me. Oh, yeah. Just looking to get your thoughts. So, questions maybe that you had? Well, oh, the question that you just had. I can dive into that if you'd like. Yeah. So, why did she um, inform the police that she was stalking somebody? Okay. Is it so they would take her in and she would have like housing and food? Pot- maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I just want to do some math to start with. Just to preface, all of that was the Barnett's side of the story. Okay. That was their side of the story. And that is very important to this story. Uh-huh. So I'm talking a lot about women and birth. So Dylan, I don't care. And I don't care that you're going to listen to more about periods and stuff. But <laughs> I'm going to tell you all about it. Um, because we're an educational podcast. First and foremost. Uh, yes, exactly. So women can start their periods as young as eight. But most do around 12. So roughly, to be generous, let's say that Natalia was 12 and not six whenever she was adopted. Mm-hmm. Maybe 13. Um, which would explain pubic hair and the menstruating. So in 2010, she was 12 or 13, making her born in 1998-97. That means in 2012, she would only be 14 or 15 when her parents left her to live in her own apartment. Oh. And the judge ruled this based on nothing. No evidence. He based that she was 22 on nothing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So she's the real victim in this. Okay, that makes sense. Yes, exactly. So Man, that's tragic. Yes. And again, cause, because also, it's not like she had her period the whole time. She had started it with them. Yeah. So obviously a six-year-old isn't menstruating, but if right. she's 12 or 13 and gets her period for the first time, that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? She could have been younger. So um, yeah, the judge just ruled her age and changed it based on nothing. This should not be legal. Um, and her condition was so rare that there were not even standards for how a child her age should look. So the bone structure of her being different from her playmate, while she was bigger than her playmate, it's just different. Mm-hmm. Like people are different. People show their disabilities differently. No DNA test was done. Uh, no proof was obtained. It was just like the Barnett's word against Natalia's. Um, and then just to go backwards and refute some of this, again, the pubic hair story is either grossly exaggerated or again like maybe she did have it but she was still a child she was still a child right 
While Natalia did spend her early childhood in Ukraine, she had been in the U.S. for most of her life. So having no accent or memory of another language, that makes reasonable sense. As for threatening behavior, Natalia refutes all of this. She claims to have never done any of the harmful things the Barnett's accused. And the only thing she does take responsibility for her is her attitude and her acting out. Like, mm -hmm. she did say those things at the, the kitchen counter, but she's also a child who, A, a preteen, um, B, was adopted into a family who apparently does not like her very much. And there's a lot of fighting and tension going on. There's a lot of trauma going on there. So yeah. I can excuse some of that. This talking of the neighbor, the big question, not cool. She called it on herself. Totally not. She's uncool. Reaching out for help. That's lame. <laughs> lame. Don't stalk your neighbor. Something else with your life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do something else with your life. She's trying. <laughs> <laughs> She's doing her best. So that was a child calling for help. If she is 14 or 15 years old, She's calling. She's telling on herself as like reaching out and asking for help oh, because she sense. doesn't know who else to go to because her parents are gone. She was also hungry. She ran out of food a lot of the time, so she was reaching out to actual adults like the police and like her neighbors for help. Um, she wasn't properly socialized. She was probably awkward as hell, which was probably the strange behavior. And she was disabled, so she walked funny. Of like, of course, of course, it might seem like a little bit of odd behavior, you know. Um, her neighbors would offer to help bring in her groceries and her parents would just like leave them and let her take them up herself. Like would oh. not even help her up. My parents did the same thing to yeah, me. Yeah, I bet. I was, um, I think five or six. Five and they're just like, hey Dylan, gotta get out. Yeah, but these days I can take in all the groceries at the same time. I am so proud of you. So. That is a feat. It, <laughs> two even. Especially like if you have like a jug of milk. Oh, yeah. A jug of milk and then, like, bags. They're, like, ripping into your skin. And you're like, I am so strong. <laughs> oh, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and I do carry a lot of jugs of milk. I do drink a lot of milk. Um, this is something that a lot of people know about me, but they just don't talk about. Is it for real? No. <laughs> no shame to people who drink milk. I don't want to. I drink people milk. Drink. People shame me a lot for do, it. Is that That's true? That's why I'm not defensive. <laughs> <laughs> I have a gallon of milk in the fridge, Dylan. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with drinking Apparently milk. Apparently there is. Everyone Unless you're mad at me <laughs> Okay, guys, I grew up on milk, and I'll just tell you, I wasn't allowed to drink water after a certain time. <laughs> okay, this also wasn't normal for people. <laughs> okay, wait. After a certain point in the night, I wasn't allowed to drink water. Were they? Did they think you were a little mogwai <laughs> that you were gonna turn into a gremlin? No, but my dad believed. I, I, my dad, you know, I don't know, you know, he said that whenever that milk. The, that water goes through you a little bit faster because it's it's water. It'll just kind of go through you. Yeah. Not that my sister and I ever had any bedwetting issues, but like that was a concern. He didn't want to <laughs> have to deal with that. <laughs> so for him, milk was digested slower and wouldn't have to make us pee as much or as yeah. fast. So that was the logic. Do you heat up your milk before you Absolutely have it? Absolutely not. That's disgusting. <laughs> That's disgusting. That is disgusting. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm weird. Okay. So. Man, intense. I'm learning a lot about you. <laughs> so now we're going to switch over to Natalia's side and yeah, the okay. trial. In 2019, legal actions were being taken against the Barnetts who were charged with neglect of a dependent. And at this point, the Barnetts still lived in Canada. They were divorced, though, and Natalia was taken in by another family, unofficially, who helped take care of her and eventually press charges against the Barnetts. 
because of her changed age, they legally couldn't charge for neglect of a child, but were instead able to charge for neglect of a dependent, neglect of a dependent causing bodily injury, neglect of the dependent causing serious bodily injury, and conspiracy to neglect a dependent. All of those things. All the conspiracy stuff for a dependent. So Natalia actually took the stand at either the age of 19, which she claims, or 33, which is what they are claiming. Uh And when Christine Barnett moved Natalia to this new apartment in July of 2013... They didn't ask her where she wanted to live. Um, Natalia said that she didn't have any friends there. She said that she didn't know where any of the grocery stores were or how to get to them. They dropped her off three counties away and just left her. And the lease signing office, Natalia signed the lease and that indicated that Michael would be the one responsible for paying. And the apartment that she was given was not handicap accessible Hmm. to the point that this woman now who uses a walker a cane regularly so she had to climb up 12 steps just to get to the apartment which was then on the second floor so two flights of stairs just to get i can't even do that no no and she's disabled with a walker yeah testimony from an indiana state police detective brandon davenport stated that michael told him why they moved natalia to lafayette before leaving the country and he said quote This is Michael speaking. Because Christine said Lafayette is a white trash town and nobody is going to care or worry about her. Damning. In 2012, while she lived in the Westfield apartment, she sustained herself mostly on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, ramen noodles, and an occasional pizza that she ordered, according to her testimony, um, because she didn't know how to cook, because she was a child, Mm -hmm. and also had limited mobility to even reach things. And by her second year of living alone, Natalia said that she didn't know how to cook or use a washing machine. And the limited use of her hands and arms, because of her disability, again, meant it was difficult to open canned food or even bathe herself. And her deformed hips and legs and knees and feet caused her to fall a couple of times getting in or out of the bathtub. So, like, just everyday living was difficult, and she was doing it all by herself. Yeah. So a little more than a month after moving to Lafayette, she would walk to the grocery store because she didn't have any type of car. Mm-hmm. She'd walk there and walk back. She said that she, said that she got lost a couple of times and she'd have to take frequent breaks because yeah. she couldn't do that. She actually ended up befriending some of the neighbors and she actually moved in with this couple who were willing to take her on and, oh. and help her. And they testified that they did charge Natalia $250 a month in rent, oh. um, which is applied to the couple's monthly rent. So, like, she's not living rent-free, but, like, yeah. also, but, like, if they're if they're also believing that she's an adult. How is she making money? I think because she is disabled, she gets some sort of disability check. Oh, gotcha. Also because she's now legally an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure she gets, like, money from the state in some way. Yeah. Cynthia, this woman, taught Natalia how to read, write, and do math. She didn't know how to do any of those things, um, didn't know how to count money, didn't know what her food stamp card was for, and didn't know that she had any social security disability benefits. So apparently she did not know that. I forgot. As for money, I think that actually came from Michael. They would send her like an allowance of money for food and groceries. Um, okay. They so were, they're actually good people. They, oh, yeah. They're actually great. They're actually <laughs> really, really great. So benevolent of them. Yeah. So nice. Her electricity got shut off at one point. She didn't know how to get power restored. And under cross-examination, the Barnett's attorney was like, so 
she's required to say what her birth date is, that new birth date, 1989. So he's like, at the age of 23, you don't know how to use a washer and a dryer and like do all these things. Even if she didn't know how to do it, like she physically couldn't do it. Uh, yeah. So during testimony, Michael described his ex-wife Barnett's relationship with Natalia as being very bad. Again, he described it as World War III. Uh, they were at odds all the time, constantly fighting. And um, I just want to take a step away from the trial quickly and go into this documentary that I watched. Okay. It's called The Curious Case of Natalia Grace, and it does a really great job at showing... I love the rhyme. I know, right? It does a really, really great job of showing their side versus hers, kind of like how I set it up in the beginning. Yeah. Because initially, Michael uses his screen time to talk a lot of shit on Natalia and be like, she is a awful and terrible to our family and was a menace. But then the second half of the documentary talks a lot of shit on his wife and was like, she was manipulative. She ran the house. She made up a lot of the shit that Natalia did. None of it was true. He called her a master manipulator when they were divorced, who used to beat Natalia and make her stand up against a wall for hours at a time while she was under their care to get her to reveal the truth <laughs> about her past. And one of their sons alleges that their mom coerced him into peeing on Natalia's bed as revenge for her doing the same. Remember I said that she defecated on one of the beds? Yeah. It was, she made her son do the same thing in retaliation. And he expresses, the son, he was 12 at the time. So like, I can't, your, your mom's telling you to do this. I can't put that much blame on the kid at this point. Mm -hmm. It's shitty, but like, it's your mom telling you to do it. So he's very regretful and shameful about this. Um, and he recognizes that Natalia, of course, is acting out because she has behavioral problems. Because she's had a life of trauma. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't imagine. Um, Natalia, um, she must have known about the movie The Orphan, right? Yes. And that's the thing. So... She actually claims that the Barnetts learned... That's, I almost forgot about this. She actually claimed that the Barnetts learned about changing her age to make her older from the movie The Orphan because that's what they tried to do with her, with Esther. Yes. And Wild. a lot of the allegations of what Natalia supposedly did to them is, like, directly from the movie. Like, straight from the movie. Damn. So Michael unfortunately was acquitted in october 2022 and christine's case was dismissed in march they were tried separately due to lack of evidence because they said that because of her birth date being very unknown it was really hard to like take it further with an abuse case like that she did appear on dr phil she denies all the allegations even stating that christine said that natalia hid knives on top of the fridge under the fridge in the cabinets even on her office desk even though she would have been physically unable to reach those places. Like, just could not grab them. And, yeah, the new couple who has her, they love her. They accept her as their own. They have no concerns whatsoever. Mm -hmm. They're living happily. Well, I'm, I'm glad the story has a happy ending. It does have a happy it's, ending. It's truly tragic. Yeah, I wish more justice was brought to the Barnetts. They're still in Canada, I believe. And uh, Christine is a, an established author. She actually wrote a book um, about, like, how like you can be the mother of an autistic son and like how you can take care of disabled children and it mentions nothing about natalia hmm. <laughs> yeah and uh, natalia she's doing yeah well. she seems to be doing well obviously 
besides the trauma. She's happy with the family that she's living with now. Like, they're living a quiet life. Can't imagine that length of time when she was just alone. Yeah, that's the thing. And, like, when you're a kid, that time seems really long. Like, it doesn't seem as fast as a year does for us, you know? No school? No school. No school. know how to read or... Mm Right. Well, because you, if you think about it, like her being in the Ukraine, she must not have had a lot of education there. Coming to America, not a ton of education at the adoption center. And if she was 12 by that point, like she missed out on a lot of education and then just nothing. Just mm. live life. Go for it. That was it. Oh, my God. I had no idea about that. Yeah, well, now you do. Wow. Are you better off for it? I don't know. I like <laughs> maybe. maybe it's a big maybe big big maybe yeah uh, maybe yes not a no but and hey life wrong, maybe imitates art you know do you feel like things were like adequately resolved by the end no, of it no absolutely not I mean Natalia's with a family that can yes. care for her I I w- oh oh I forgot to even say I'm so sorry they were able to get in contact with with Natalia's birth mother through hmm. genetic testing um and if Natalia was 22 whenever the judge said that she was her mother her birth mother would have given birth to her at the age of 10 oh so like not possible yeah she's very much not 22 mm-hmm. you don't know how old she is but she's not that old mm. Mm. it's more likely she was 12 yeah yeah so, sounds like that's what it's shaping up yes like. yes so no i'm not happy with it <laughs> <laughs> all right So I really like the idea of um, talking about a horror movie inspired by true events. I know you went over that briefly um, in, a, in a previous episode. So today I'm also going to be uh, talking about a horror movie inspired by true events. Um, and it's one of the most grueling series of true events uh, I can imagine. Oh. Uh, and it's terrifying to me personally because I hate swimming. Okay. Um, there's a lot of swimming in this movie. Okay. Not like the fun kind of swimming. Okay. Either. Like survival swimming? Yeah. Oh. So I'd like to talk about the 2003 movie Open Water. I don't know this one. Uh, directed and written by Chris Kentis. Okay. Um, so you haven't seen this movie. Mm-mm. If you had to think of what the plot would be based on the title. I would imagine alone. an ocean because okay. open water. You're, you're right on mark. And I'm thinking a Jaws scenario because ocean. Yeah. Um, okay. I imagine two for two. they're stranded somewhere. Three for three. Boat wreck. For four? It's actually a lot more fucked up than that. Oh, dear. Okay. Yeah. I wish it was a boat wreck. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just start by talking about the plot of the movie yeah. before I get into like the harrowing details. So Daniel and Susan are a couple who decide to go uh, scuba diving on vacation. Okay. Couldn't be me. Um, and they're doing uh, that to help their relationship. Okay. Um, which, you know, okay. I guess if you want an activity uh, where you can't talk to each other... <laughs> And you're wet and cold and have to hang out with a bunch of strangers. And there's a risk of you dying. And there's a risk, however small, but not small enough, mm-hmm. that you will die. Uh-huh. Uh, why not? I'm not a good swimmer. I don't actually think I know how to swim. I'm sure At all? I, I'm sure I could. I think I, I if, if I just like get in a pool and I need to get from one place to the other, I could do it. Like, just. Blip, 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 blip. <laughs> so you, you never learn how to swim? like i went to like swimming lessons but like they were not fun and i hated it and then we used to quit very shortly after <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i can get from one po- side of the pool to the other probably okay. not with good form as long as it's um with wise and not lengthwise 
lengthwise might be a little tough, yeah. but I can get widthwise for sure. So uh, Daniel and Susan, uh, which is feels weird to say because they're both close relatives. Daniel and Susan. Yeah, uh, decide to go on a scuba diving vacation. Uh, and shortly into the uh, vacation, they decide to join a group scuba dive. Okay. A head count is taken before the dive, and this is important. Oh, though. no. Um, and then they go on with the dive with this group. Uh, but then they decide to separate from the group while underwater. And uh, half an hour later, the group returns to the boat, and a head count is taken. Uh, and two of the members of the group are inadvertently counted twice. Uh, so you can see where this is going. Oh, no. Uh, with a head count taken, the dive master decides to leave the dive site. Oh, my gosh. Um, and in doing so, they leave Daniel and Susan in the water alone with one another. Um, if that's not a great way to resolve your relationship issues, oh, I don't know what is. That is terrifying. It's like, hey, if there's anything you want to say now. How does it get counted twice? Like, is um, it like a Home Alone situation where like, there's a neighbor kid who's in the lineup and they think it's Kevin? Yeah, from what I can see at the movie, there's like this, there's a conflict where this one guy didn't bring his diving mask, so he he goes late, so he's counted, and then he goes and he's comes back and is counted again. At least Fucking I think idiot. so. The movie sucks. Oh, <laughs> it's a really bad movie. Okay, I'll good to know. Be going into that, but um, uh, Daniel and Susan surface and uh, the boat's gone. Uh, oh my and um. But that said, they took a head count, and they'll realize they're missing and come back, hypothetically. In the meantime, they'll just have to tread water, and some time passes, and Daniel and Susan have the realization that the boat isn't coming oh back. Oh, my gosh. Or at the very least, it isn't coming back anytime soon. Time continues to pass, and they argue, uh, fight hunger, and suffer from serious exhaustion. Oh, my gosh. And by now, they've floated far away from the initial dive site. Oh, my gosh. So even if the boat comes back, they're not, they're not there, there anymore. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and this is where things really start to go wrong. This, this is where they, this is <laughs> yeah. where they start to go wrong. Things really. Uh, they have here. they have been going great so far. <laughs> uh, but before I continue with the plot synopsis, um, what do you think is the right thing to do in this situation? I literally have that is like my worst nightmare, Dylan. I do not like the ocean. I uh, just went yeah. in the ocean the first time in a very long time, like mm. infant last year. Wow. Yes. What What do you think of it? I was, was not it my experience? favorite. Um, I I don't like the fact that you just constantly keep getting pulled out to the ocean, and you're like, oop, I'm up to my head and my neck. I gotta scooch forward a little bit. That's terrifying as hell. You can't yeah. see the bottom. You don't know what's touching you. Other things are touching you. It's just awful. Yeah. And if you go too far out, then oh you're gonna be carried away by the. Gosh, it's like the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. So like, this is literally my nightmare. Yeah. I guess. don't know. I have I I don't even know what you would do. Can anything float? Uh, well, the buoyancy of their scuba gear helps them to tread water more easily. Okay. Um, so they're floating that way. Okay. Um, but they're still surrounded by... Like, what do you do? Where Where do you go? I I would try to, like, track the birds, see where they're going. <laughs> <laughs> like, the birds are flying south. <laughs> yeah, just, like, look out at the horizon and be like... Tree somewhere. A bird perches on your yes. head. It's also lost. Yes. But stranded in water, Daniel and Susan soon realize they're being circled by sharks. Fuck! Jellyfish appears while stinging them. Oh my gosh! Um, and yeah, it gets really. This is why I don't like the ocean. This is literally it. Yeah, and a uh, shark bites Susan on the leg. It's just a very just light a bite. bite, little neck, just like a little um, love bite, like my cat did to you. Yeah. Little, little neck. <laughs> but some shark facts: uh, sharks can smell blood from a quarter of a mile away. I did know that. And about 14% of shark bites are fatal. Mm -hmm. So not that many. Yeah. So Susan is okay, but then Daniel gets attacked by a shark. Uh, his bite is a lot more serious, and he starts bleeding really profusely into yeah. the water. 
Um, Susan uh, tries to apply pressure to the wound, but Daniel goes into shock, and soon enough, uh, more sharks return to finish off the job, oh. killing and eating Daniel. Holy fuck! Uh, big shout out to my brother Daniel. <laughs> If you're listening, I love you very much. Hope you're doing well. Uh, so the next morning, Daniel and Susan's gear gets found and a search begins. There, how? Gets found on the boat. Oh, oh, So they oh, put their oh. gear like under their seat. Oh. And the guy who's like in charge like, hey, sees their this? gear. And he's like, I can't imagine how he felt at that moment. I hope he felt like a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's too late for Susan. No one noticed that. I'm sorry. This is mind blowing. It's kind of embarrassing. Nobody too. noticed that they were missing. Yeah. Like, hey, this couple we've been with this whole time. So 20 people are on this boat. So they didn't make friends with anybody. I guess not. Oh my gosh, guys! Because if you are out realized. in the ocean, make friends with at least one person. Yeah. <laughs> and don't be with them when you die. Like. <laughs> uh, Susan looks down to see more sharks. And resigned to her fate, she removes her scuba gear and sinks below the water. Oh, my gosh. And that is the end of the movie. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. So this is a bad movie. <laughs> okay. It's like a Hallmark movie without the budget. Ah, oh, damn. And I don't know the kind of effort that goes into making a movie. I hope that is more than zero. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there is, uh, it's very, very fake looking. It's, I mean, the sharks look fine, but. Uh, the sharks look fine. The, uh, there's a great joke, actually, that um, I love a lot, which is, um, I saw this movie on a flight and people still walked out. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, the true story doesn't follow the movie okay. uh, beat for beat uh, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot we don't know, and the movie filled in those details. Uh, nonetheless, the true story fills me with an incredible sense of dread as well, mm-hmm. just to think about. Mm-hmm. It starts with real-life married couple Thomas and Eileen Lonergan going on a trip. Okay. Uh, they're visiting the Coral Sea off of Australia's northeast coast on January 25th, 1998. Okay. They're uh, on a group scuba diving excursion aboard MV Outer Edge. MV, I'm assuming, stands for Marine Vehicle. That, I never would have guessed, so that's very smart of you. Thank you. I uh, didn't even look it up. <laughs> they're scuba diving, and then, like in the movie, the boat leaves without them. Uh-huh. Again, art imitates life. <laughs> And the people on the boat don't realize they're gone. No one realizes they're missing until two days oh later. Oh my gosh. Two days. And they're only to say it is like, nobody freaking yeah. cared to make friends with you. <laughs> that's what they were thinking when they were like me. floating. That's like, that's like the worst. I have trouble making friends. <laughs> um, so uh, the only... They're only discovered missing uh, because a bag containing their belongings is found on the dive boat, like in the movie. Mm-hmm. And a pretty massive air and sea surge then proceeds over the following three days. So let's take a step back and reverse things okay. for a moment. It's January 25th. Okay. Uh, the boat just left. Okay. Thomas and Eileen break the surface. Huh. Um, they look at each other, and I would assume they both smack their foreheads. Like, well, well. Now what? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that the initial reaction was like, well, damn, this is going to be a long day. And then maybe an hour, maybe two hours later, the probably sinking feeling starts to set in. Mm-hmm. And I wonder who was the first to ask out loud, is the boat coming back? Because that's absolutely terrifying. I imagine you don't want to be the first person no. to say that. From that point on, all we really have is speculation. Uh, we oh do have God. a few things that turned up later oh, that no. can help us piece things together. Oh, that's all we know. Oh my gosh, it's awful. Oh my gosh, I'm that's literally the worst thing in the world. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I can imagine few things worse than this situation. 
So in February, the following month, uh, a woman's wetsuit matching Eileen's size washed ashore in North Queensland, Australia. Okay. Uh, it had tears along the armpits and the buttock area. We're calling it the buttock area. Yeah. <laughs> um, examiners thought the damage was likely resulted from contact with coral. Okay. Which makes sense, as Lonergan's were touring Australia's Great Barrier Reef. Yeah. Um, during the time of their disappearance, before things were totally conclusive, um, theories started popping up. Like the Lonergan staged their disappearance. They also found writing from both Thomas and Eileen that led some to believe suicide. Okay. Um, excerpts from Tom's diary suggested he was looking for a quote-unquote quick and peaceful death. Okay. And Eileen's writing expressed that she had chosen to stay with Tom no matter the outcome. That said, the police took the writing out of context, according to family members. Um, they said that the only writing uh, that validated the suicide theory was released to the press. And if you're going to commit suicide... I was going to say, I also wish for a peaceful and quick death. Not all the time. <laughs> I, ho I, hope, I hope that's how it goes. I, like, that doesn't strike me as odd. Yeah. And if... You wouldn't go on a diving trip where people are taking a head count and then try to sneak off. No. That doesn't make, that doesn't make any sense. That, if you're going to plan a suicide attempt, that is not the way to do it. Yeah. Especially because, did you know hmm. that drowning in salt water is much worse than drowning in fresh water? Why is that? It's because, um, oh, fuck, I knew how, I knew Saltier. That. No, but like, got the, that taste the in your salt, mouth. like, burns. Oh. It burns. So, like, if you could think of, like, water getting in your nose and how that burns, this, like, it, the wa the salt in the water, from what I remember, it is true. Don't quote me on this, but I'll accidentally lie. Um, like, it... So, first, it takes longer to drown in salt water. The salt water draws blood out of the bloodstream and into the lungs. And so, you essentially, like, drown in your own fluids because it's drying up the fluid that's in your lungs and pulling blood to that area whereas if it's fresh water the cells just kind of burst and it leads to cardiac arrest but you're unconscious before that happens huh it's very painful it's funny that you bring that up because um in the movie um the uh wife um or the partner susan she's like i'm so thirsty i'm just gonna drink some of the water Fucking and he's idiot. like and he's like, well, actually, I watched a show on National Geographic that said you shouldn't drink salt water. It's like, you fucking learned that in first grade. Like, no shit, you shouldn't drink Obviously. salt water. And he's like, did you drink the water? And she was like, I drank a little bit. <laughs> I drank a little bit. Oh, God, I hate that movie. <laughs> uh, but the story's interesting. Yeah. So it makes sense why the police would want to push the th suicide theory. Um, tourism is big in Australia, and I'm assuming that's definitely the case for diving. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't want to admit that their diving industry or regulations were lax, yeah. you know, for obvious reasons. So back to the things that they found. Mm -hmm. Six months after the disappearance, which by now it's a little late. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, Appreciate it. Hey, they might still be out there. Oh, my gosh. They're, it's okay. They're just a little shaken up. <laughs> More diving gear was found. Uh, there were dive jackets. There are compressed air tanks and even one of Eileen's fins. Oh. Most gut-wrenchingly of all, uh, they found a diver slate. Uh, which is essentially used for writing underwater. Okay. Um, and this slate had writing on it. Oh, okay. Uh, that writing was, um, quote-unquote, verbatim. Oh, no. Uh, Monday, January 26th. So this was the day after they oh, my gosh. were lost in the sea. Uh, 1998, um, 08 a.m., 
To anyone who can help us, we have been abandoned on a gin court reef by MV Outer Edge, 25 Jan, 1998, 3 p.m. Uh, please help to rescue us before we die. Oh help, my god. Help with three exclamation points. Uh, my heart hurts. Like, my heart aches. That's yeah. awful. I can't even imagine, like, being... It's like um, the ti the submarine Titanic thing. Like, when we all... So, um, you know that... What was it? The thing that just recently, like, imploded on itself? Oh, the... Um that the submarine with all the really rich people on yes it. exactly well originally we didn't know that until the debris surfaced that it like imploded on itself which happens in milliseconds they wouldn't even yeah. known but <laughs> we thought that they were down there for days just running out of oxygen like thinking about that and that is what terrified me the most i could yeah. not stop thinking about like you're down there hundreds of miles into the sea it's pitch black no one and is the, coming and you're just waiting for the time to run out and the owner of the company is in there too yeah it's like awkward it's like sorry guys <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's like do you think they actually like turn i would have you? fucking killed them i would have <laughs> turned big time it's like i'm going to like, die this is the last that. thing i can do absolutely oh man so yeah based on the state of the gear that was recovered the couple likely didn't experience any kind of animal attack like in the movie um, but rather suffered from delirium <laughs> brought on by dehydration yeah um, this likely caused them to remove their diving suits. Mm -hmm. um, without the buoyancy of their gear, they likely succumbed to exhaustion and drowned. Awful. <sighs> Is that all you've got? Hurts my it chest hurts. Too. Like I'm, Ugh. I'm like, I'm. It's no secret I'm on anxiety medication, and they're not helping right now. <laughs> yeah, it's easily one of the worst ways to die. Yes, absolutely. I oh my god! Struggle to think of worse. What way. if you're if your partner then goes first, then you're actually alone. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you think they like went together? If they're, I mean, if I, they're delirious, they might not have not. been able to. Yeah. Like, I, if I were in that situation, I would make it quick. Like, mm -hmm. a slit on the wrist, just bleed out. That seems to be pretty nice. We just like you just pass out. Well, they don't have any <laughs> knife with them. They had cor. No, they washed. It washed up. Um. Yeah. They have a diving knife. I don't know. They did in the movie, but they dropped it idiots <laughs> and they were like fighting like maybe 10 sharks with a little tiny diving knife it was like hey fucking what are you gonna do poke it okay <laughs> so uh <laughs> so <laughs> the consequences of this um quote unquote jack that's his nickname nairn i hope i'm saying that right n-a-i-r-n which sounds very australian nairn or nar or nar skipper the boat <laughs> or nairn <laughs> Uh, he was charged with the unlawful killing of the couple, but he was found not guilty. Really? Okay. So would you have found him guilty for that? You know, I don't know. I, it's interesting because that's, that's funny. I don't know, honestly, because... That's a hard case. It's neglect. I think if anything, it sh he should be charged for neglect and like business practices. But for murder, I don't... Or for... What was it again? Um, the unlawful killing unlawful. of... I don't know about that neglect for sure it's funny you bring that up uh because um nairn's company outer edge mm -hmm. uh outer edge dive was fined after pleading guilty to negligence good okay that i can get behind yeah folded pretty quickly after that yeah and since then queensland's government has introduced stiffer regulations 
Um, and captains and dive masters are now expected to independently confirm headcounts okay. in Australia. Well, good. I hope so. But that is the end of the story of um, uh, that, that couple. That is gut-wrenching. And um, if you want to watch a really bad movie... Yes, tell me. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Open Water. Yeah. Your ticket. Where, Mediocre where experience. Where can one find this? Is it on? Is it like one of those free YouTube movies because it's so bad? I didn't look on YouTube. I have this... I'm not going to say on this podcast, but um, I have this site that I go to that lets me watch whatever mm, I want. Okay. Um, for free. Dylan does illegal things. <laughs> and I admit to it. <laughs> and it's recorded. <laughs> but you can probably find it on Amazon. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And that's the story of uh, Tom and Eileen Lonergan. Oh my gosh. That is like the worst thing in the world. I don't know. I can't think of something much worse than that. Yeah. I think that of all the ways to die, that's definitely top three. Yeah. Yeah. Like if not being the first. burned alive. Yeah, being burned alive. That's at least that's quick. What? Yeah. You pass out from smoke inhalation. Is that why? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. I thought so. I, but like, you still feel that burn. Yeah. I. You would. I wonder how long. And that's the thing, though. Like, how long? Oh, this also really fucks me up. Thanks, Dylan. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for making me uh, really upset. Yeah. That's and... what this podcast is about. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and I, I will never go scuba diving. No. And I don't even want to go swimming. Nope. <laughs> and that story is going to stay with me for a while. Yeah. Me too. Me also. Well, thank you so much for having me on. For ha thank you. Nope. Thank you for coming, Dylan. I really sure. appreciate it. I love having you on. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. I love being on here. Yeah. Um, the usual spiel. Um, if you guys would like to have more of us, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at M.E. Crisis Pod. Um, my existential crisis podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to send in any requests or just say hello, that is also fine. Um, you can send us a DM, too. That works, too. Um, oh, yeah. We're everywhere you listen. YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever floats your boat. Anything else for me, Dylan? That is all for me. Cool. Awesome. Well, until next time, guys. Thank you for listening.